What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 143 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Don't even know whether or not to call this a Monday rundown. Barely even knew what day it is today. Sean actually had to remind me that it is Monday. Today we jumped in and we just did a list of our top Yankees at each position over the last 30 years, uh, trying to keep you guys entertained during this quarantine time, quarantine week three. Um, Just do everybody a favor, including yourself. Listen to the smart people out there. Um, Stay inside. That's pretty much it. Hopefully we can get this under wraps quicker if everybody listens. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram Sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, sorrysports.com. Sean's new article is up there, and there is more to come. Enjoy the pod and enjoy the music, guys. We will be back soon. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to back. It's the daisy age, and you're about to walk top stage, so wipe your lottoes on the mat. Hip-hop love, this is, and don't mind when I quiz your involvements before the sun. But clear your court, cause this a one-man sport, and who's better for this than plug one? Plug don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals, cause they've already been squished. Freeze a frame of our moves the same, wish we can continue right behind the bush. You'll stay with me, I know this, but not because of all my earthly treasures, or regardless to the fact that I'm passing the noose, but because... What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt, week three quarantine, um, and with no sports, uh, we, we decided that we were going to get pretty creative. Um, so, Tom, first of all, what's going on, man? We had a uh, we had a conversation this weekend about what we wanted to do today, and uh, if you're a Yankee fan listening, I think you're going to enjoy this. If you're anyone else, you know, please give us the listen and fast forward through the pod. Um, if, if you right. have to, but I mean, yeah, it, this is a Yankees pod. This is more of a Yankees pod than ever, and I can say that for sure because that's all we're going to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I mean, this is this is a Yankee-centric podcast, and what we decided to do was we were going to go through three decades, the 1990s, 2000s, and 2010s, and we made a list of the starting lineup with a backup at each position and five starting pitchers and five relievers spanning 30 years. Uh, it's kind of tough to do, but we did it. And uh, it'll be really fun, I think, man, to see how how our lists compare to each other's and what how much recency bias we used, how much uh, you know favoritism we had yeah. for players. Because, uh, you know, it's funny. We were, fun. we're both 90s kids, so I get the feeling, at least for me, I kind of favored when I was younger just because it just meant so much more. You know, we didn't, when you're a kid, you don't have much going on. So, like we were just talking about, I felt like Gary Sheffield played on the Yankees for 10 years. Meanwhile, it was only three, but it was three years that I probably watched all 162. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I am going back through some statistics and baseball reference, you know, definitely was very paramount when making this list. And I, I was even... It's amazing how your mind gets clouded by what you watched and who you rooted for the most based who off you want of to remember. <laughs> exactly, as opposed to who might have actually been the better player. So, yeah. anyway, man, you want to get into this? Let's do this. Yeah, so at the beginning of the pod, I'm, as you can see, I'm bored. Um, we're going to do a little music as well, get some people listening to some different things while 
they're sitting at home being quarantined just like we are. Hopefully everybody's listening to that at this point because shit's gotten pretty real, my friend. Yeah, man, absolutely. So the first um, song we have I like that own... idea. It's We're just going to keep it going with that, a new song every pot. Yeah, the first song we had was De La Soul. Uh, group started in 1988. That song is E-Y-E, not I, as in the letter I. E-Y-E, no, I know. Um, top 15 in the UK, that song went to. Never released as a single in the United States, which is bullshit because that song is fire. Um, a lot of people probably know them for a song called Me, Myself, and I. Uh, go listen to that one as well. But they were big back in the day on a huge record label. Um called Tommy Boy Entertainment. They had House of Pain, Naughty by Nature, Queen Latifah, Africa Bambata. Um, pretty good group, so give that song a listen. I played a little bit at the beginning, but listen to the whole thing, and we'll keep this thing going, but let's jump right in. What did you think of the song, by I the way? I like it, man. I like it, man. Very catchy. Uh, you know, again, everybody, we're just, we're, uh, we're a sports pod, and we're trying to bring everything, but we're also pop culture. Tom brings the heat with that. Very cool lesson right there yeah, uh, and i'm sorry i'm not ex- gonna expand bring... your repertoire exactly i'm not trying to you know i'm not i'm sorry i'm not gonna play the weekend's new album that everybody knows like I'm, I'm trying to go back in time here and get everybody to listen to something a little different than you know z100 this is a great time to be open and listen and watch and try a bunch of new shit while you're inside your house so i fucking love it man well done let's start off the yankees list Combining the three decades, let's start off in left field. Give me your two players, your starter and your reserve from the left field of the New York Yankees. So my starter and my reserve from 1991 through, what are we doing, 2019? I guess would be, for me, my starter was Hideki Matsui. World Series MVP, couple-time All-Star. Just a great all-around Yankee. Seemed like a great guy. I obviously don't know him personally, but he was my pick for my starter. What about you? Same here, man. I mean, he comes over from Japan in 2003, uh, has the grand slam in the home opener against Minnesota, wins the wins the uh, World Series MVP in 2009, like you mentioned. And he was just a rock-steady player for the Yankees for many years. Could always count on um, you really could. And even though 09, he spent that year as a designated hitter, you think of him as the left fielder. What also was interesting, I'm sure you saw too, and going back through the pantheon of left fielders through, since 1991, the Yankees didn't really have a lot of like primary main left fielders. They had a lot of reserve guys who, who split time between right, left, yeah. DH. Center. Not a lot of main left fielders. Exactly. Center as well. Um, but Matsui was really that cog in the lineup since he came over 03 through 08. Really, he was the left fielder, and he was the best one. So I agree with you there. All right. So for my bench guy, you mentioned somebody that moved over from center field. I was watching uh, – I'm really bored, I guess. I was watching the World Series highlights from 2009 against the Phillies, and Gardy was in center. But for me, he's already, he was a left fielder for more of his career, and I'm going to stick him here in left field. So far, so good, man. I'm right there with you. Uh, I think of him in left, too. I know he's played a lot of center due to Yankee injuries, but you know when you when you think of Brett Gardner, you want a gold glove he has been field, the Yankee you know? left fielder. Absolutely. And yeah, he played I mean, in an all-star of, game in le- for le- in, as a left fielder. So, Yep. Yeah, you know, you brought in Granderson in 2010, and he was the le- the center fielder for a few years. And then they brought in Ellsbury, and, and even though he's had to come over and play some center field, like I said, 
he's really thought of as a left fielder. So I agree with you. Um, Matsui starting and Gardy backing him up. All right, man. Why don't we move on to center? Yes, sir. All right. So my starting center fielder for the Yankees all 30-year anniversary team, we'll call this, um, Bernie Williams. That was an easy one for me. Very easy. Uh, there's no there's no really challenger to him, right? I mean, 91 really through 05. Four World Series championships. Um, I believe he's one of the best postseason hitters statistically of all time. A couple-time All-Star. Borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he's going to get in, but pretty great player. I think he's in the Hall of Very Good. Yankee retire number for sure. What he meant to the organization from coming up in 1991. Um, I mean, you just think of him. I know there was always the core four of Jeter, Rivera, Pettit, and Posada, but really it was... It, it was really a, a five-man five. group yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, Bernie was the catalyst in so many of those games, and you mentioned his postseason accolades. I mean, try to watch recaps of Yankees World Series and postseason games and not see Bernie Williams pro- playing a major role, bringing in big runs, hitting huge home runs, walk-offs, the like of, you know, really about as clutch of a player as you could get at that time so yeah Bernie number one for sure all right so for my reserve guy this was tough for me I feel like there's been a lot of people since Bernie retired to hold down center field for the Yankees um and with putting Brett Gardner in left field I had to go with Curtis Granderson Mm. he had a lot of huge years for the Yankees my friend and I just think he was more deserving than any other player from that era um, made a couple all-star teams, and he hit a shit ton of home runs, if you don't remember. Oh, I remember well. 2011 and 2012, both years he hit over 40. Yep. Um, yeah, he really went from a guy who, uh, in Detroit who hit the ball all over the place to just becoming a pure left-handed power hitter for the Yanks. Yeah, you saw, I mean, 2011 he had an incredible year. 156 games, 41 bombs, 119 RBI, and 25 stolen bases to boot. Still batting 262. So, I mean, just based off that single year, without there being too many other guys that stuck out to me, I threw Grandy in there. What say you? I ended up going with Damon. And I, okay. know, that, I know that Damon won the World Series playing left field in 09, but... I think of him still as a center fielder. You know, you bring him over from Boston in 06. He has a great 2006 season with the Yankees as their center fielder. 07 played well in the postseason, albeit short-lived. He made that conversion over to left field towards the later part of 08 into 09. He's great, But he wins a World Series for the Yankees. And... I still think of Johnny Damon as a center fielder. He played left towards the twilight of his career. It's kind of like what we did with Matsui, right? Like, he won the World Series MVP as a DH, but he was the left fielder. I think of Damon as that. Granderson was close. They both spent the same amount of time in New York, four years. But um, I don't know, man. To me, I, I just going to put Damon there because of the World Series championship and the fact that he came over from Boston and played as well as he did. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely hear you. Thing I'll remember most about Johnny Damon, aside from probably his hair before he came to the Yankees, worst arm I've ever seen. Yeah, him and Bernie. Well, you know, all three of them: Granderson, Williams, and and Damon. None and Gardy of them too. Their arms. All of them had candy arms. Very, yeah, absolutely. I mean, none of them were none of them were Aaron Hicks. We'll put it that way. No, not at all. 
All right, All right so let's, let's move on to right field. to right field. My starting right fielder, and, and there's a stipulation of this just because I looked at some numbers and whatnot. I'm going to go with Paul O'Neill, the warrior. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I believe he won a batting title in New York, few-time All-Star, and I believe he won, what, four World Series with the Yanks? Three or four? Four World Series. Four World Series wins, um, appeared in five. Yeah, the Warrior. I mean, one of the most iconic players in Yankee history. He comes over from the Reds after the 92 season, a trade that traded former All-Star Roberto Kelly over to Cincinnati. And yeah, O'Neill's the Warrior, man. I mean, what else do you need to say? Had a great arm. Clutches nails, you know, just a great, great player. Um, not, not my, not the world's greatest announcer in my book, but great player. I know you don't love him in the booth. I think he's goofy, but I think he's great. All right, so for my bench player, this might cause some controversy because he came back up, but being who I put a DH, I'm gonna go with Aaron Judge. Yeah, me too. I mean, me again, too. this, this. This dynasty from the 90s on to the early 2000s and then this decent team to a World Series team, it was all about the core four, core five, if you want to call it that, and then a few other players. And other positions were just filled in. Yeah, no, I I agree. And Aaron Judge, I mean, he's quietly become kind of the the de facto captain, especially with Didi out. But think about what he's done since he came up. I mean, there was so much hype, you know, surrounding him when he came up in 16, hit the home run in his first at bat, 2017 wins rookie of the year, should have won MVP as well, has a huge 18 despite injuries, has a huge 2019 despite injuries. And, you know, the only other two – there were three other guys that you could put here too. I think just because of judges, he's homegrown and he's significant, but Not you definitely got to put defense. Shep- yeah, his defense is as good as it gets. I mean, it's probably, he's probably the best right fielder from uh, from a fielding talent perspective that they've had really since O'Neill. Three honorable mentions you could put in there: Sheffield, Abreu, and Swisher. All three of those guys played really well for their Yankee careers. Swisher does have a ring as well. Swisher does have a ring as well, but, you know, none of them are what Aaron Judge is. And that's just somebody that you're going to have to put in and say, when you think of Yankee right fielders, you immediately think of Aaron Judge. Absolutely, my friend. All right, so let's move on to catcher. My first catcher, I think you can probably guess this one. I would assume we're on the same page. It is John Flaherty. All right. Yeah, <laughs> just, you know, I had Mike I had Mike Stanley. So. <laughs> just kidding, everyone. I like John Flaherty in the studio. I'm not going to lie to you, but obviously this one goes to Jorge Posada. Yep, no questions there. Multiple-time All-Star, another borderline Hall of Famer, retired Yankee, but... Five-time World Ch- Series champion. Yep, absolutely. Um, no argument there. Nothing else really to say. Great all-time Yankee, part of the core four. Now, my backup catcher is Gary Sanchez. Just because of the fact that I didn't think that Russell Martin slash um, Brian McCann did enough. And I I just went with my heart on this one. Homegrown. Uh, Same thing as Judge. The guy, the start of his career has been electric, but also frustrating for me. For many reasons, the lack of hustle, the injury, all that stuff. But when this guy's on, he's the best catcher in baseball. 
Yeah, I think you said everything perfectly there. And, and again, when it comes to this list, you know, fortunately doing this as Yankee fans, there's a lot of winning involved. And, you know, Russell Martin had two very good years with the Yankees in 2011 and 2012. They got to an ALCS in 2012, but, you know, you're not remembered for that. McCann really was kind of a disappointment when he came over. Didn't have a great first two years. And remember, in 16, Sanchez comes up halfway through the season. I do give McCann credit for groom, helping groom Sanchez. But, yeah, Sanchez is the obvious answer. I mean, he's the fastest player ever to 100 home runs. Like you said, I mean, he's the best player at the position. If you're getting, if you're telling me you're getting uh, Atlanta Braves' Brian McCann, we could have a conversation. But from the middle of 2016 through now, yeah. Gary Sanchez is the most electric player, not to mention him behind the plate. I know he gets a lot of shit for not being a great defensive catcher. That's got a fucking hose. Yeah. He just needs and to clean up. He just needs to clean up. Um, you know his his defense a little bit when it comes to everything except throwing. And and my argument with Gary Sanchez, with anybody that tells me there's been some idiots that told me they should have started Romine, is the fact that Gary Sanchez is by far and beyond the only catcher in baseball that can put up all star numbers if you put him at a different position and took away the names. Like if you threw Gary Sanchez at first base, he still has all star numbers. No other. No other catcher in Major League Baseball has that. Perfect case. And again, you know, you're talking about a guy, too, that catches probably the hardest pitching staff to catch between, think of some of the arms the Yankees have and and their exclusive pitches. I mean, if you have a complaint about Gary Sanchez, my question to you would simply be, who are you bringing in Yep, to, that's going to do anything close to what he to what he can do offensively. It's yeah, not we're, close. Not, McCann, we're, we're not arguing he's better than fucking Yogi Berra here. No, but it's Posada. It's Posada who had the more you know exclusive Yankee career of yep. championships. That's what Sanchez is trying to get to, and he's another homegrown kid that's come up through the system and is anchoring. You know, behind the plate. I don't think he, it's close. If he keeps his trajectory and stays healthy. We could be talking about Posada as the backup in ten years. We could be. No, I, absolutely. I am. I am absolutely a fan of, of Sanchez. Um, look what he's done since the middle of 2016. And you tell me another catcher, either McCann or Martin, that deserves to be there. I, to me, you can't. Absolutely, man. So we're on the same page for the most part. Um, so, so far, far we're clicking. So far. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving up, moving over to first base. This one was tough for me looking at the numbers. Um, if you were to go better overall career, I would have gone to Shara, but better overall Yankee career, I got to go with Tino. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start Tino Martinez at first base. How do you feel about that? You know, this one was a really tough one for me. I, I battled this really between three guys. Made an all-star team one time as a Yankee, four-time World Series champion, and he was a silver slugger his all-star year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I th- one time as a Yank, one time as a Mariner. Right, right. I think that Tino is glamorized for being such a clutch player and, and being such a great player with the Yankees. But if I got to go with just who's the better player, to me it is Mark Teixeira, man. Oh, not even close. He had 20, 20, 2009, he comes over, finishes third in the MVP, wins a World Series championship his first year. I know Tino did too in 96. But you watch clips of Teixeira, not that Tino wasn't great, but what Teixeira was was he was an all-star player every single night. And Tino had moments. I know Tino's going to be celebrated most for his winning. 
I would still put Teixeira number one, and I'd drop Tino two. Hey, man, you, you could convince me very easily. I mean, Teixeira, they, one had two All-Stars, one had three. Both of them have rings. One has four, obviously, on, on better teams. Um, Teixeira only has the one in 09. But Teixeira, much, be- <clears throat> sorry, much better fielder. Five-time Gold Glove Award winner, and probably he's just a better player. I mean, let's be honest. Well, I guess my question too is, you know, we're talking about all-decade teams, and this is where fandom is going to come in. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of shit from Yankee fans saying, "How do you not put Tino one? He won four World Series championships, including having to replace Don Mattingly. That's a big deal, and I totally get that. My question is, when was Tino Martinez ever a top? two first basemen, top three first basemen in baseball. Teixeira was that every year for the Yankees. So, I mean, the short list of first basemen in the league, I mean, Teixeira was, if not number one, in the top three every year. And to me, I think that matters. In his prime, it was Pujols one and him two. Right. Yep, and then you might throw Freddie Freeman in there. But I'm going to go Teixeira one just because of the quality of player he was and then I'm going to go with Tino number two because of what you said, the championships. He, remember, came back in 2005 and actually played really well when Giambi was hurt. Had that stretch of, I think, seven games in a row with a home run, played good backup. Um, I mean, he's a Yankee legend, but Teixeira is the better player, so that's why I'll go Tex one. I could flip that at any second, but I'm going to stick with what I what I have just because that was my childhood, and I'm a fan first, you know? But I am, I am an honorable journalist and could admit when I'm wrong. Um, all right, so let's move on to second base. I don't base. know if you're wrong, though, man. This one's really tough. I mean, also don't they forget. They both made the you, list, you know? Have, you got to have Mattingly in consideration. I know his best work was probably done in the 80s, but he did have five years there from 90 through 95 where he was a really good player. I agree and with you, also, man. also Jason it, Giambi, man. Jason Giambi was a great player for the Yankees oh, during Oh, he was. Career. He'll be on my list, absolutely, just in a different position. Um, at the cheater position, you know I love cheaters. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean Mattingly, it just came down to it, they weren't his best years, and he never won a ring. That was it for me. Yep, I agree with you. As harsh as that is, Donnie baseball forever. But you're right, especially when you're comparing him to other first basemen of the last thirty years. All right, so let's take a look at second base. For me, the starting second baseman's Robinson Cano. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I wasn't sure if you were going to keep going there. But, yeah, I mean, what more can you say about what he did from when he came up in 05 through his final year in 13? He was incredible. I mean, the guy was, again, one of the best second basemen in the league every single year. He played almost all the time. He, I don't remember him missing any time. I know you had questions about, you know, his hustle. I fucking don't care about that. Look at this guy's numbers from 05 through 2013. Absolutely. I mean, he's an absolute stud. Homegrown. Was probably he's probably a top four Yankee second baseman all time, right? Oh yeah, not even without a doubt. Absolutely. I mean, he was an All Star in '06, and then 2010 through 2014, 14, and then he was 2016 and 17 when he wasn't on the Yankees. I guess 14 he wasn't on the Yankees either. Obviously won that World Series, won a shit ton of Silver Slugger awards, and then he also won two Gold Gloves. So that's an all around player, and he's it's not even close for the second baseman um, when it comes to the Yankees from 1990 on. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, Cano's number one. All right, so for number two, our bench player. I don't know if we're going to differ on this one, but I'm going to go with Alfonso Soriano. 
I am too. I, I, I'm there with you. I mean, he played on the Yankees from 1999 to 2003. He made an all-star 0-2 and 0-3. He also won a silver slugger in 0-2. He was an electric player. Never had the best glove, but um, with that being said, he, he was an excellent hitter. He was a two-way hitter all the way up through his Nationals days. When he moved back to the Cubs and then the Yankees again in 13 and 14, he was more of a power guy. But I think on the Cubs, he might have gone like 40-40. Well, he did for the Yankees in 02. He was a 40-40 guy. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, he was about as good. I mean, if it wasn't for A-Rod, I mean... Or he was 30-30 He was 30-30 in 02. 30-30, okay. Yeah, not 40-40. 40-40 um, in, um, in, what's it called, in on, in Washington, though, for the one year he played okay. for him. Yeah, and he was great for that, for that, I think it was one or two years he was, uh, he was a Ranger, too, yeah. from that trade with A-Rod. He, the only other person I guess you could even slightly consider would be Knobloch, who won two championships in 98 and 99. I can't get over the, the primary with the second baseman. He couldn't even throw the first well, he got re- well, he got really bad, yeah, after that second year. I mean, he was the second baseman, made two huge plays in both Wells' and, and Cohen's perfect games. He was the leadoff hitter for those teams that won titles. But he didn't do anything close to what Soriano did from a, from a production standpoint. No, not at all. And then also, when you get to those cuss players, not the all-time guys, and steroids get involved, I start to knock them down a little bit. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, we're looking at an era where it was just yeah. so prominent that I'm going to try not to make that a big deal because, I mean, when we get to third base, I think we're going to agree on who the best one was, and he was the, at the epicenter of the whole steroid thing. Very true. But again, he's an all-time great, even without the steroids. Um, moving on to third base, you alluded to it. My starting third baseman, I think it has to be A-Rod. I don't know where else you could possibly turn. One of the greatest players of all time. Probably the best Yankees shortstop, not only. Is that fucked up to say? Say that again? I said he's probably the best shortstop on the Yankees as well. Is that fucked up to say? <laughs> Well, from just, you know, what he did in his years prior to the Yanks, probably could put him up there, um, you know, for third base. Anybody who has biases, and that's fair, just look at his numbers. Fourteen-time All-Star, obviously got the World Series, three-time MVP, including twice with the Yankees, two gold gloves, ten silver sluggers. Need I go on? He is the great. He you can make a very strong case that he's the greatest right-handed hitter aside from DiMaggio in Yankee history. I mean, yes, Jeter goes up there, but he, Jeter couldn't touch what A. Rod did from you know power standpoint and everything else. Over three thousand hits, and he did have some real iconic Yankee moments. I know the play, early part of his career with the playoff issues, but '09 was not one. I watched those World Series highlights, man. Let me just say one thing yeah. about that 09 World Series since we're quarantining and, and we're just trying to give people content. Chase Utley had one of the greatest World Series I've ever seen, and, and I feel like that's forgotten because they lost. That dude was a fucking problem. Yeah, man. Well, I, and he, he was... Boy, I think was he, he broke either, either tied or broke the record for home runs in a World Series. Well, with, he had uh, the two off Jackson. in game one, right? Yeah, he hit multiple home runs in different games. I think he hit two off... Um, I don't remember who the other pitcher was. Might have been maybe Burnett or something. Yeah, yeah. But you're you're right, man. I mean, 
Utley and Cano were probably right there as the best, especially left-handed hitting second baseman in the league, uh, to go along with their gloves. But going back to A-Rod, I mean, say what you want about him. This, the guy was just as good of a player as you could possibly get. Turns everything around after you know into 09, is the hero of that postseason. And then he still had great years in 2010 and 2012 and comes back. I know in 15, his last full year, he was a DH, but... Man, I mean, it's not even close. I know he only has the one one ring, and he was just a complete... He was just such an interesting... When you look back on his Yankee career, probably the most interesting career in Yankee history. I well, don't he think was that's an asshole, and then he turned it around. Yeah, but he was a great player throughout. Oh, and absolutely. That was absolutely... Uh, yeah, no, no way could you say anything other than A-Rod for, for best third baseman of the last 30 years. For my bench, I, I think we're going to be on the same page with this one as well. I'm going with Scott Brocious. I am too. Yeah. Um, I mean, 1998 I alone, he made an all-star team. He won a World Series MVP. He won a gold glove in 99. And he won three World Series with the Yankees from 98 to 2000. Then they had a couple stop gaps, and you move over into A-Rod when they trade for him in 04. Yep, and in 01, think of that Game 5, game-tying home run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, against the Diamondbacks, um, he, he had a lot of iconic moments, and you read off his resume there. There's not really anyone else. I mean, maybe you could say, I do think you could make a very strong case for Wade Boggs because he came over before the 93 season, and he won a World Series in 96. He was still a really good player with the Yankees. He helped kind of turn that entire culture around and segue into, you know, what became a dynasty. But he was a great player as well. He was there actually longer than Brocious was, but I think just because of Brocious's significance and the multiple championships plus the World Series MVP, I think you got to go with Scott. Yeah, you can remember Wade Boggs' all-time iconic riding that horse around the outfield. Yep. All-time beer pounder as well. Supposedly he can he drinks 100 beers on a plane ride or something like that. Um, some Andre That's the Giant type shit. Right he is a Hall of Famer. Yes, he is. Um, I believe that was before they selected the teams for him and whatever team paid, and he went in as a Tampa Bay Ray. <laughs> Unfucking believable. You know, had to be the first one, right? Um, I believe so. It's funny that when we're making this list, a lot of people I feel like are going to be like, "Oh, where's Aaron Boone? Where's Aaron Boone?" Just because of what you said, recency bias and the moments we remember. Aaron Boone only played one year for the Yankees. Granted, it was an All Star season, and he had half that... a year, dude. He made the All Star team with Cincinnati. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then Robin Ventura was 02 through the first half of 03. Yeah, and when and Boone was a Yankee, he was not very good. No, he not had, at all. He just had that most. He, he just had the, just he hit the, the most ball iconic moment of all time. And everybody yep. remembers him. And if you ask somebody on the street how long did Aaron Boone play for the Yankees, I bet you some people are saying six years. He played half a season, tore his ACL, they canceled his contract due to a stipulation, and then A Rod's there. It, it, he's definitely done more for the Yankee organization than many players do who play for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, just remember Between hitting that home run. run, opening up the portal for A-Rod, and then coming over and winning 103 games as a manager in his first two years. No, you absolutely can't. You can't argue with that. It's just funny how things get remembered because, you know, that home run was iconic. It kept the Red Sox curse going for another another year. But then they didn't even won the World Series. Josh Beckett came out and dominated. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, it's 
he, he certainly doesn't belong on that list. I, I think you could make a case for Boggs, but oh, for both of them, it's Aaron Brocious. Absolutely. All right, so we're moving on to shortstop. You ready for this? This one's going to be really tough, man. <laughs> one of the easiest ones, definitely. Derek Jeter, number one. My favorite player of all time. Um, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And what do you think? The third greatest Yankee shortstop behind A-Rod and Phil Rizzuto? Behind A-Rod? No. <laughs> uh, no, he's, I think he's a better he's a better player than Rizzuto. I think he's the, the best Yankee shortstop of all time. Of course. Um, and, and, you know, he's just... Uh, He's finally in the Hall of Fame, and he's the he's the captain. He's the winner. He's Mister November. He's everything that makes the Yankee franchise great. And yep. for twenty years, he called shortstop his position. So it's pretty amazing when we go through this list. I mean, no matter how great a lot of players were, it's like, oh well, you could make a case for a second guy. There is no second guy for Jeter. Nope. It was it, and and that being said, you said he played twenty years. The only other guy that I can remember playing shortstop pretty much my entire life is Didi, and I had to put him on this list just based off that. And he well, did absolutely. have some good years. You know, He's you my bench guy. If you do an all-20, mine too, if you do an all-2010s team, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that Didi was the better shortstop during that decade than Jeter. No, not at and all. And put Didi one. I mean, Didi from, I know his 2015, that was a rough season for him, you know, coming over and having to replace Jeter, but... 16 through 19, I mean, he became a fan favorite, had a better arm than Jeter ever had, hit from the left side of the left side of the plate with a lot of power. He was really, you know, he helped change the entire culture and tenor of the organization from their, you know, reload, we'll call it. And going to two ALCSs, he was, he was a great player. But overall, yeah, it's Jeter. Jeter's... You know, you're thinking of for 98% of it, and then for 2% of it, it's Didi. Absolutely. And that's the reason why Didi made this list, was because there was nobody else but Jeter, which not a lot of teams get to say they had. And, you know, our football teams, I guess you had Eli, I had no one. And our basketball teams, I had no one. So I'm happy to have Jeter in my life. Oh, yeah. No, Jeter, Jeter is the reason why... There were so many, you know, millennial Yankee fans and baseball fans because he was bigger. He was bigger than baseball, but all he did was play baseball. I mean, he was not. He wasn't the kind of egomaniac like A Rod. You know, he kept everything very under wraps. He was obviously known for the girls he dated. Had a Jessica trifecta. That's about as good as it can possibly get. Yeah. off the field. You can't but beat that. He played all the time, but nothing he ever was got out of ever him. Hurt. No, and, and, you know, too, is he just, the, when the lights were bright, that was when he was at his best. And that helps, you, you mean, you go from everything from the flip play to the diving into the stands to Mr. November home run to even his final game at Yankee Stadium with a walk-off single. I mean, it's moment well, I mean, it's 3,000 hits, a home run as well. It's 3,000 hit. I mean, you could make a montage of great Jeter moments, and it could last you two hours. I mean, he's one of the, he's the best shortstop in Yankee history, and he, he's on the short list of best players in Yankee history. Yeah, and he's one of the greatest shortstops of all time. All right, so let's move on to DH. Um, I feel like, especially in the early 2000s, the DH position for the New York Yankees was the 
washed up all-star. We're going to throw a ton of money at this guy, and he's going to break down and not play great. So I threw Jason Giambi at this position. Might be cheating, but that's where I put him. You know, it's actually funny. I I was looking back at the DH for the Yankees, and there really hasn't been an exclusive one for a while. You know, like you, there is no Ortiz. I mean, Giambi played some DH, especially towards the later end of his career. A Rod, A Rod did the same. Matsui did the same. Soriano played some DH when he came back over. It's. There really isn't a pure DH. The person that I would put on this list, honestly, and simply, I think it's a two-way tie, is Raul Labanez wow. and David Justice. Two guys who really never played the outfield at all. So you're Yankees, going, I, I cheated on this 100%, full transparency, even with my second guy. You're going like, very literal, they, they have to be a DH, which is fair. Yeah, I mean, I think just because with the way the American League is, you have the flexibility of putting really anybody you want at DH. Giambi was a first baseman. I know he played some DH, but he was a first baseman. He brought him over to be a first baseman. No, you're, you're absolutely Bonnes, right. I just remember him only for his bat, defensively. Sure. But he did play a lot of first base, but I'm sticking with it. Okay. I mean, we have different rules here. I mean, we can be... I cheated. We each have an... <laughs> no, I don't know if it's cheating, man, because <laughs> I think you're going to get a lot of people that agree with you. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to run out of, say, because I had four first basemen I could choose. One of them I could put at DH. You know, for me is each season, you know, you could really even put Matsui in here for his 2009 season. And you could put A-Rod in here for 15 if you want. I know. You know, it was a good year, but for me, it's I think of a Banez. I never remember him in the outfield really at all. And David Justice, you know, he he comes over from the Indians and has that huge home run in 2000 in the ALCS against Seattle. I mean, those are the kind of guys I think of. The Yankees haven't had a David Ortiz or a guy like that really. You know, so. That's where I'll that's where I'll put my list. You can kind of just flip flop. I would also probably say Carlos Beltran. You could put him in there too. He played right field his first year, but he played a lot of DH in 2015 and 16 before they traded him. I think you could put him on that on that list too. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. Um, I'm sticking with Giambi. You have who your guys were. Uh, I'll, I'll just roll with Abanez because of that playoff series against and against your bench Baltimore. guys, the Justice one year. I'll go Justice, sure. Okay. Because, again, I use Matsui as a left fielder. I'm not going to use him twice. Well, I'm keeping up with the trend of me cheating on this, and I'm putting Gary Sheffield as my DH. Because, honestly, Gary Sheffield's one of my favorite players of all time. And I swear to God, I called a Gary Sheffield home run before he hit it like six different times in my life. So, between those, I'm sticking with Sheffield. Great player, great hitter, over 500 home runs, and he had a decent Yankee career. Yeah, no, he really did, especially 04 and 05. And I guess you can say he was the DH when he came back from injury after the Yankees got Bobby Abreu in 06. But, again, for me, is I just can't put guys who came over and played the majority of their time with the Yankees in an actual position. Listen, whether, just come out and call me a cheater. Or not. No, that's just, just my stipulation, man. No, it's all right. Listen, that's the, how the I DH go. is reserved for – I call the DH on my team the cheater's corner. Because <laughs> both of those guys have a lot of steroid allegations. One admitted it, so 
Um, but yeah, those are my DHs. Why don't we move on to the pitching? This should be fun. All right, we'll get us off to the rotation. We have five starters, correct? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Start us off. So for my first pitcher, I went with Andy Pettit. Can you remember a better Yankee pitcher over the last 20 years? I know he pitched for Houston for, what, one to two years. Clemens got him to go down there. But he came back to the Yankees. I can't remember a more steady pitcher in the postseason. Not the best pitcher. I don't know if he was ever the best pitcher on the Yankees, but when he had the ball in his hands in the playoffs, I always had some confidence. You couldn't agree more. And, and he's the only guy on this list that spans three decades. I mean, he comes up in 95 outduels Smoltz in Game 5 of the 96 World Series, wins in 98, pitches the clinching game that year, wins again in 99. Then you go into the 2000s. He has 2000, 2001, 2, and 3 with the Yankees, goes to Houston for three years, comes back prior to the 07 season, wins a championship in 09, retires after the 2010 season, then comes back in spring training of 2012 pitches in all you know almost all of the 2012 and all of the 2013 season i mean yeah he's he's the consummate yankee he's he definitely belongs to as number one even though he wasn't the best he he's the only one on this list that has the amount of championships as a yankee and spans all three decades we're talking about oh and for me at least he's the only homegrown guy and i think that speaks more to the yankees Lack of developing starting pitching, which I know me and you bitch about on our regular pods. Yeah, we've talked about it. The regular season starts up again. Um, But yeah, it's pretty glaring because the rest of my list, everybody else started out somewhere else. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And truth be told, it's actually how a lot of teams are building these days. You know, the Mets really were the only team of the last eight, nine years that tried to build their entire roster through starting pitching. Yeah, you got them, Cleveland. Few others, right? But even Cleveland, I mean, you you, you bring up a Ramirez and a, and a Lindor and guys well, everybody's of that got nature, talent. right? I mean, but you look at the Cubs. I mean, their entire roster really was homegrown from the position players, and they imported a John Lester. Well, Houston and as well, and an Arietta. Houston did the same thing. Boston. So I, mean, I don't give the Yankees as much. As much shit as you do, but you're right. I mean, they have well, had a just problem. every once in a blue moon. I'd like to have a guy who can one stay healthy and two fucking throw strikes, please. Well, I think you know they spent 326 million on a guy to hopefully do that this year. No, but that's you, what I'm saying. They're all the I'd right. like to have a homegrown guy that I could root for at some point. I thought it was going to be Severino, but I mean, Lord Still knows when he's going to pitch again. I'm holding out hope. All right, so we'll see. we both agree, Pettit's number one. I mean, honestly, I just threw a top five together. I didn't really rank them. But number two for me, I'm going to go with the Rocket, Roger Clemens. Yeah, I'm going to go Moose, number two. Okay. Why'd you go Clemens, too? Because Clemens had the championships. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's I mean, hard. of course, they're it's both so on my list, and I'm going to get to Mucina, but Clemens won World Series with the Yankees. He did. He did, um, you know, 99-2000, and then he had the crazy good year in 01. And he, he actually was lined up to beat Schilling in that in that game seven in Arizona before Rivera blew the save, and that would have been three in his first three years, which was great. He comes back in 07. He's a Yankee. He, it was interesting, if you follow his career, I mean, for Yankee fans to love him, they didn't love him at first. And well, he was a Red Sox and a Blue Jay. To, 
Exactly. And then he turns out to be, you know, somebody that even threw all the steroids and everything. Yankee fans love Clemens. And so this guy had one I can of the, understand you putting him yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest. Uh, the steroids and all that shit. He is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Seven times, seven times Cy Young. He won a he won an AL MVP in '86. Also pitched in that '86 World Series. And from what I remember, I looked it up. He pitched pretty well. Um, I mean, I don't have to go up and down. Seven time ERA leader. You know, eleven time All Star. Obviously, the two World Series. One of the greatest pitchers of all time. Yeah, I, I, I see your point there. And For this me, guy's career Cena. spanned over twenty years. It did. No, he, he's he's down in the in the record books as one of the best right-handed starting pitchers of all time. Yeah. And the fact that he got to win with the Yankees um, and share you know share a lot of big time moments and pinstripes, I, I totally get that. For me, I went Messina because to me, I feel really bad for him, and I think that he got shafted with his career many times. But I think of Messina, you know, he comes over in one throws the near perfect game in Boston. But for me, you know, talk about clutch. Remember that 2003 Game 7, he had to relieve Clemens, who got destroyed by Boston. He comes in with the bases loaded and no outs and the game hanging in the balance, gets a strikeout and a double play, you know, proceeds to pitch three more innings of scoreless baseball. And then, you know, the Yankees just weren't a great team meant for winning championships from 04 through 08. I mean, no, they, they were, were a great regular season team. team. But they, yep, were not they, a were, they were in the they were in the playoffs every year, and if you think about Snake Bit, and I know Messina finally won twenty games in 08 in his final season, but you talk about coming to the Yankees after winning three in a row with the last one in two thousand, then going out winning his twenty games, and then in 09 in the new stadium they win it all, and, and I just feel like. You shouldn't hold it. He's one of those cases where you really can't hold the fact he didn't win a championship against him. And because he pitched seven really good years for the Yanks, I mean, he was the ace of the rotation those couple years when Pettit and uh, Clemens were gone. Uh, the teams just weren't weren't conducive to winning championships. But Messina always pitched well in the playoffs. Um, he was he was probably the most steady pitcher of that of that era for the Yanks. I agree with you completely. That it was gone for a few years. Yeah. And not that it makes up for just missing out on a world series on the front end and the back end, but he did make it into the hall of fame a year ago. Yeah. I'm happy as hell for him there. Um, and he was definitely one of my favorites. Not that Clemens wasn't, but I loved watching Moose pitch. I mean, he was a craftsman. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we've already mentioned Pettit. We've talked about Clemens. I'm guessing he's on your list. I got CC on this list for sure. He's your number three? I had CeCe as actually my no- – yeah, he's my number three, and then I had Moose number four. Okay. Where do you have CeCe? I have him right there as my number three, too. Um, again, uh, think about his significance, right? He comes over in 09 after the locker room was basically broken, and it's so rare that starting pitchers become team leaders and captains, you know, de facto captains. And he really brought that locker room together. He commanded the pitching staff. He commanded the entire locker room. And he goes out and finishes, I believe it was top three in Cy Young, wins 19 games, goes out, wins ALCS MVP in 09. And then really from 09 through 2012, there wasn't a better pitcher in Bay. I mean, you could book him for seven to eight innings of three runs or less every single start, and he would do that. He was never hurt for that stretch 
that 2012 game five against Baltimore when he pitched a complete game shutout. And then he comes back after a couple of tough years there and really reinvents himself as a finesse guy. And I know injuries just got the better of him there, but he was a dependable pitcher from 17 through even this past year. I think just what he meant to the team, he really changed the energy of that Yankee team and stepped out, stepped up and assumed role as the ace, which the Yankees desperately needed. Um, to me, CeCe's number three there. Couldn't agree with you more. From from when he joined the team in 09 through, like you said, 2012, there's no pitcher better in baseball, except maybe Kershaw. Right, and CeCe had the postseason success that Kershaw Never has had. Yep. had elude him. Absolutely. So, so far my list is Pettit, CeCe, Roger Clemens, or sorry, Pettit, Roger Clemens, CeCe, and then Mucina fourth. You're, you're pretty much in line there, just change a, change a few. I'm right there, too. I'm going to have Clements at number four for all the reasons we spoke about earlier. All right, and then rolling in at number five, I have David. Just David. David Wells slash David Cohn I have. I couldn't okay. decide. I cheated again. Yeah, you really are. You make up your own rules really <laughs> well. Uh, right. It's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm the CEO, it's baby. Some, it's some fucking bullshit, but I'm just kind of rolling there with you. I should have expected this after you had Wayne Corbett, who was an undrafted free agent, as number two last week. <laughs> but, it's uh, not going to change as long as this fucking... It's not going to change, baby. This quarantine is what makes <laughs> you can't blame this on the quarantine. Um, <laughs> True. No, for me, I'm gonna. I am gonna take one of your Davids. I'm gonna put David Cohen. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that had significance? He comes over in '95 at a trade deadline deal with the division rival Blue Jays. He pitches them into the playoffs. Put his arm on the line in Game Five of '95 against Seattle, which they eventually lost. I think he threw like 146 pitches or something. Comes back in '96 wins a World Series, and 97 suffers the aneurysm. He comes back late in the season, almost throws a no-hitter out in Oakland in his first start back, comes back 98. He wins 20 games, 10 years removed from when he won 20 games in 88 with the Mets, really anchoring that pitching staff. I know that pitching staff was very good, but it was steady. He was he was the guy you wanted. Before Pettit became Pettit, he was the guy that would start game three on the road because you knew he had that on lockdown, right? I mean, even in 96, they save him for game three to go up against Glavin and win that game at down 0-2. 99 throws that perfect game. And in 2000, I know he had a disastrous year statistically, but he comes in in the postseason game to get, uh, or in the World Series, rather, to get Piazza out, the only batter he faced. Uh, I think he does a hell of a job in the studio and on the broadcast with the Yanks, I too. I hope not, he gets a job in a front office somewhere. I don't understand how he hasn't yet. I don't know, man. Maybe it, he doesn't want to. I don't know. I think he wants to, but it's going to have to be the perfect spot for him because money-wise, he's not going to get it. You know, He's not going to get anything close to what he's making to be a broadcaster and studio guy for yes. But when you look at his Yankee career, he, he comes over as the hired gun, kind of like a lot like what CeCe was, where – your team's ready to kind of change into a championship team from a contending team. And he was that missing piece who you could give the ball to every five days and know you're going to get a win. Nothing's more, nothing is more gratifying as a fan than to know who's pitching that day. And you don't even have to think about whether you're winning or losing. Yeah. And that's what Cohen was. Um, 
Wells been searching really, for that for the Yankees for a long time. Wells really didn't we have, and Wells really didn't have a great Yankee career statistically. I know he throws the perfect game in ninety eight. No, he's just a legend. And he, and he won a couple he's a legend in a lot of ways, man. <laughs> he's a fucking crazy SOB, but you know, he comes back in O two and O three and doesn't pitch great. Um he has some iconic moments. Yeah, you gotta go cone. So we have the same five. Yeah, we did. Just a little bit out of order. I think we've been pretty much on the same page, except I cheated a little bit on the DH. Yeah, you have cheated. You absolutely have. One other honorable mention, I think you could put Tanaka in there. I think you can put Tanaka, and honestly, I was looking at some numbers. You could put Ching Ming Wong on there, too, before he got hurt. I, I was thinking Wong, too. He had he had two and a half great years. He won 38 games in two years. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. But again, no championships, didn't pitch well in the playoffs, didn't pitch long enough for it to really matter. And I feel kind of that way about Hiroki Kuroda, too. His three years in the with the Yankees was really good, but there wasn't any real winning there. Not to his fault, but it's just, how are you going to put guys like that on this list uh, ahead of guys that not only won World Series, but were major reasons why? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to the pen. Um, I guess we'll go in order here. First of all, let me just give you a disclaimer. I kept John Wetland off my list. You did, huh? Okay. Yeah, I just, he only pitched a few seasons with the Yankees. Um, He did make two all-star teams with them, and he was a World Series MVP. But in my research, I saw that in 2009, he was arrested and indicted on charge of sexually abusing a 14-year-old child. And you don't make my list if you're going to sexually abuse somebody. I know you're supposed to keep it separate, but I can't. I'm sorry. My eyes can't unsee that. Well, I'm very interested to see how the rest of your list goes after you threw out this disclaimer. Yes. Um, All right, so number one, the greatest relief pitcher of all time, probably the greatest player at his position of all time, and it's not even close, Mariano Rivera, first unanimous Hall of Famer. Yep, I don't know what else. My favorite most at, we're not going to spend time going all down the line of his career stats. Listen, here's one that will just blow your fucking mind. More people have walked on the moon than have scored off Mariano Rivera in the playoffs. Done. Oh, shit. Well, Luis Gonzalez ought to feel really good about that. Yeah, so should uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. Yeah, and Edgar Martinez. Um, all right, so my number two, I kind of threw this out of order, so I'll give you, I'll give you another guy. Um, let me fix my order here. Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton's number two for you, huh? Yeah, not, not the Mike Stanton that we know. Not Gene Carlos Stanton, the actual <laughs> Mike Stanton. Um, he played. He played on a couple World Series championship teams. He was a very good Yankee back in the day. He was. He was a very good Yankee. For me, number two is Aroldis Chat. Oh, he's on my list. He's I number mean, three. He's oh, number three. I'm just no rings so, yet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you so much shit for him in a second. But for me, it's for me. It, no rings. But I mean, how. You, you take Rivera. Actually, you know, he does have a ring. Not with us. No. But, but he. But think about this, right? Like he, he comes over. You get him for nothing in sixteen prior to the sixteen season. He, he pitches great. You you trade him to the Cubs in a season where the Yankees were kind of rebuilding, reloading. You get you get Glaber Torres as a prospect. Then Chapman comes back as a free agent in seventeen, pitches them to Game Seven of the ALCS. And then back to the ALCS this past year. I mean, he is 
you can't compare anyone to Rivera, obviously, but Chapman's definitely in the four and a half years he's been a Yankee as good as any pitcher, the any relief pitcher the Yankees have, have currently had. Can't argue with you there, buddy. But you cheated a little bit because you went off the field and threw that we got Glaber for him in there. No, 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 no. <laughs> if you're going to have him at number three, how in God's name can you say that you're not putting Wetland on there, who didn't have that problem as a player, but Chapman was suspended for 50 games for the domestic, uh, you know, the domestic disturbance, we'll call it, suspension. Listen, I, if you're going to go off the field Don't stuff, put me on the spot not, here and make me be a politician. I am not a supporter of domestic abuse, but that case never went to court. John Wetland was indicted. But he served a suspension while being on the Yankee roster. Listen, I'm I'm a court of law kind of guy. Okay, I trust the I American justice system. I don't trust the American politi- politics system, given the current state that we're in. I haven't left my house in fucking a week or two, maybe three. <laughs> but I trust the American justice system. John Wetland was indicted for sexually abusing on multiple accounts. Listen, I, I hear you on that, but if you're going to go, you, that happened well after his Yankee career. Oh, okay, uh, all right. So he's a good guy when he was a Yankee, but then he no, decided to be a, a terrible guy, guy. But I'm saying that if you're going to come down, you made your own criteria here as far as wanting to be subjective about how we're going to look at players on and off the field. To me, you can't tell me that Wetland, who did something terrible, obviously, but well after he was uh, playing, and then you're going you're gonna to completely absolve Chapman, who served a suspension. Fine, fair enough. He's off the list. Raphael, Raphael Soriano, you've been promoted to my list. <laughs> that's that. That's how you. That's, All right. how, that's fair. You. See, I know I'm not going to let you worm your way out of a couple of these things. You gotta Fine, I just crossed off Chapman. I added Soriano. All right. Who had a great year. What was it, 2017, 2016? Trying to think of the year. Rafael Soriano? No, 2012. He was a Yankee in 2011 and 2012. He was a setup man in 11. Mariano and got hurt. In 2012, in, well, in 2012, Rivera gets hurt in May and comes in and becomes really a stable closer that year. Um, he was two excellent. solid seasons with the Yanks. Yeah, two solid seasons. He really saved their year that year. Fine, I mean, Chad, David see you later. David Robertson wasn't ready to be a closer then. So he, he if you were to put Soriano on there, I mean, he definitely had two significant seasons. Fine. Chapman's off. Soriano's on. Mike Stan, my right. second guy. Who's your next guy? This is great. I just buried you. Um, <laughs> uh, my next my next pitcher is David Robertson. I mean, he comes up in, in 08, and he wins the championship in 09. And... He, he did pitch some meaningful postseason games, and he really became kind of that middle middle reliever, tweener guy. He was huge into in the World Series dom- run, too. Yeah, and into a dominant setup man in around 2011-2012 for, for Rivera and Soriano, and then takes over the closer role after Rivera retires post-2013, post has a really good year in 2014, signs the deal with the White Sox, but... Then you bring him back, and he pitches that wild card game in 2017, that three innings or three and a third, I think it was, against the Twins. I mean, he saved that season. And he had a really good 2018, too. I mean, for what he did in his two stints with the Yanks, 
a homegrown guy, I mean, I think that matters a lot. David Robertson, for me, is number three. Absolutely. I'm in agreement with you with David Robertson being on this list. My final guy here is Dylan Batances. I think he was one of the best relievers in baseball for his stint with the Yankees until it got real unfortunate for him with the torn Achilles. Yeah, David or uh, Dylan Batances for me is number four. I love David uh, Dylan Batances. Uh, to be honest with you, between him and David Robertson in 2017 and 18, you just weren't hitting those guys, and they took a lot of leverage off of Chapman, where he didn't have to go into being a two-inning closer. So, to me, you're going to look at Batances, like you said, if just look at his five years. There wasn't a better pitcher in baseball. Absolutely. Relief pitcher, yeah. Who's so he could have closed. He could have closed on just about any team um, that wasn't the Yankees. For me, number five is Andrew Miller. Okay, just what he did in 2015, taking over the closer role, dynamic arm from the left side, and then he was part of that bullpen in 16. That was really the only great part about that team. You trade him for Clint Frazier, and then they hit a home, and Greg Bird hits a home run off him as he was an Indian in 2017. But for what Miller did, his Yankee career should have been longer. They were just at a point in their career where they, or at their history, where they had to maximize off his career and where it was going. And they did that. But from what he was for just that year and a half, you knew, you gave the ball to him. You knew it was over. Yeah, absolutely. So that's your five. My five got a little screwed up there. Thanks a lot, Sean. Rafael Soriano, shout out to you. You somehow make your way in because Chapman's a bad guy. Well, you know, you, you have your rules, and I'm not one to tell you you can't have your rules. However, I am one to tell you that you better be damn consistent with them and you won't. <laughs> All I'm saying is it never went to court. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. He's still a bad guy. But John Wedlin is a worse it's guy. It's not even, you know, to me, man, it's it, it's like the same shit with A-Rod, right? Like you're going to you're going to say he's the best third baseman kind of cuz you have to, but you can put you can downgrade Giambi and Sheffield. It, I don't really know They're if still you can, on my list. I just said Knobloch because I think been, I think Knobloch wasn't that great. Well, that's fair. I mean, he, I don't even think you have to give him a disclaimer because he wasn't better than Soriano or Cano. Yeah. But that was more just because he just wasn't better than those guys, let alone, you know, not having anything to do with the steroids. All right. Well, I he, also wasn't, about... he also wasn't a great guy. Who? Knobloch. He had a DUI in there, had some had some issues off the field. I'm okay. You know, I was thinking about this. Not that I would ever I, – I think DUIs are bad, obviously. Thanks. Because you can kill other people. <laughs> but – you know, it, it, if you're ranking them, child sexual abuse, DUI, what's worse? It's not a question of what's worse. <laughs> we all know what that answer is. It just it had it was not anywhere under the anything that should influence how you feel about him as a reliever. Again, for me, he didn't make the list, even though he was the closer in '96, because I got to watch players who I thought were probably better than he was, and he won as the closer in 96, but he wasn't even the best reliever on the team that year. It was Rivera. Yeah, Rivera just didn't have it, just wasn't given the closer role yet. But it's he, he certainly wasn't better than Batances. He wasn't better than Miller, in my opinion. No, he no, wasn't no, better, than better than Chapman. Robertson. And not better than David Robertson. So it uh, took I think it's all my easy. might to not put Job on this list just for how much fun he was. 
for that quick stint of his career? Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, I did an individual like 2000s list, and I have Hughes and Chamberlain both as relievers. You have to. Hughes was a, Hughes was a huge player in that World Series 09 run too, out of the bullpen. Well, when he be, when he got demoted to the bullpen, I think it was like in into mid to late May. I want to say of 09. He was the best. He was one of the best setup men the Yankees have had on a championship team ever. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, mean, he, I think his ERA right, went down to the ones. Him and Jabba were two of those guys where you couldn't figure the Yankees, not us. You, we, I saw it clearly. They both should have been relievers when Mariano retired. Jabba should have been the closer, and and Hughes should have been the setup man. But that was those were those two guys, and this was a, a lot of the Yankees throughout the two thousands where you had these electric relievers, and you just kept trying to make them starters. I think it speaks to a lot where the game was then, because you know now well, it, it was pretty are sexy obvious. now, yeah. Well, relievers are sexy now, and with the way that the analytics describe how a baseball games should be played out, you know, you want to kind of unleash this arsenal of high leverage, high volume arms in succession. I mean, we've really seen since the Yankees that 2016, you know, structure of the bullpen of Batances, Miller, and Chapman. And then after that, you know, the trades the Yankees made to bring back Robertson and, and Canely, and you have Chapman and Betances, and then now even you bring in a Zach Britton and an Adam Adovino to go along with Canely and Chapman. I mean, this is what the game says to do now. And But back in the mid to late 2000s, Phil Hughes still projected as a starter. And in 2010, he actually made the All-Star team as a starter. And Chamberlain, everything said he was a he was a starter his whole career, and the seventh eighth inning guy wasn't really what it is thought of now. So I definitely blame the Yankees for ruining him, but but they were just really kind of going off of what the game dictated back then. It's crazy how much it's changed in just ten years. Absolutely, those damn nerds. Goddamn nerds, man. <laughs> All right, so that about wraps up the team. You got anything else going on in your world over there? Probably not much. Me either. Dude, watch the first episode of the Tiger, uh, Tiger King. King. How'd that Fucking go? wild. Holy shit. I'm plugged in. I'm going to be watching the rest of this. I don't even think I like it. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I it's hate like it. It's a car accident that you got, can't look away from. I got to see how this goes. I got to <laughs> just see how this goes. How about you? Man, I watched the news for the first time today. I got real sad. Um... But, you know, aside from that, I've been re-watching a couple series. Um, I've been making a little music in my spare time. Making music, huh? Yeah, I'm still working on that article. Just can't get it wrapped up to perfection. I wrote a really long one, and now I'm trying to cut it down. By the way, everybody, go to the website, sorrysports.com, if you want to read an extended version of what Sean and I spoke about on last podcast, which was you ranking your your uh, top and shitty Giants free agents of all time, right? Yeah, my, my top five and worst five Giant free agents. Uh, I elaborated on that. And then what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this project that we did today, and I'm going to make it a little bit more you know, expanded. I'm going to do an all-90s team, an all-2000s team, and an all-2010s team. You know, We had to spread out and make a couple of tough decisions. Well, those decisions become a little bit easier when you're literally just going off of that individual decade. So yeah. I'm going to do that and post that to the website uh, so everybody can see. Hey, I ranked the 90s Yanks, the 2000s Yanks, and the 2010s Yanks. 
Nice. That sounds excellent. The website's been doing well lately. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty much all I've been doing. There's, I mean, I've watched so many old basketball games, so many old baseball games. I, I couldn't even tell you. Um, it's it's getting really tough. You know, I'm, I'm my mind's going crazy. I'm starting to come up with these crazy ideas. I just thought of a new idea. Maybe another thing we could do. I'll come up with an idea every week. I thought of a new um, I thought of a new amusement park. It's called Decisions. So oh shit. So when you first walk in, you have to sign a waiver that we're literally not live. These are for this is for the real thrill seekers. You have to sign a waiver basically saying that we're not liable for anything that happens at this uh, at this park. Okay. Now we have all the roller coasters and whatever, and you can make a decision of doing whatever you want to do. Do you want to get buckled in on this one? No. That's your decision. Do you want to ride on the roof of this roller coaster? Do you want to ride from it upside down? Okay, that's your decision. Hold on tight. If you want to get strapped in, that's yours too. Have a good time. Do you want to do you want to eat as many hot dogs as you possibly can till you throw up and then go on a ride unstrapped in? That's your decision. How in the hell is this thing going to be it's signed waiver. off on but any kind of insurance policy when you're opening this shit up. There's, we don't need insurance. Everybody's signing a waiver saying if I die, we're no, not no, liable. No, 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 no. You're going to build this thing with this concept. How are you getting the money to do this? I don't know. I'm asking right now for it. This is my first idea. I'm. We're going to do the music thing. We're probably going to have a new opening beat whenever fuck because I've been making fucking music because I'm literally staring at the wall and I can only play MLB the show for six hours a day. So we're gonna have a new beat, and maybe I'll have a new amusement park called Decisions coming out. If anybody this wants is gonna to either this quarantine is either gonna skyrocket our podcast and brand or torpedo it because your ideas have gotten so wild that we can't even hang on to them. So that so we're gonna I'm gonna hope for it to be the first one. Where, what do you think uh, about that idea? I was I watching Final Destination, and I was like, huh. Well, there you go. There's your influence. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. I mean, you're basically saying you're asking people to decide, right, like, do you want to be buckled in on a roller coaster? Well, you could say yes. Everything's going to be state-of-the-art, but then there's some real thrill-seekers that probably – there's some real sickos out there that will probably look at a roller coaster and say, you're going to have strong enough to hold on. You're going to have a lot of, you know, really bad decision-makers – and people actually who really just want things to end, they're going to come to your amusement park and they're going to say, this is how I want to go out. Well, you know what, Sean? You know what that is? That's their decision. That's a rough one. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, in theory and from a literal standpoint, I get it. Uh, good luck finding the backing on that, buddy. I don't know if I'm going to go into that business venture with you. The GoFundMe will be up by the end of the week. Yeah, well... I'd be more curious to listen to your music and, uh, (laughs) you know, a couple other things. Last thing I want to say, dude, um, the final four would have been this coming weekend. My God. So let's do, so I think we're going to do a quick ranking of our top five final four games, national semifinal games and our top five national championship games. So just do a quick pod about that. Reminisce about some of the best games in, in tournament history that took place in the, uh, in the final four, I mean, it's it's considered one of the best sporting events of the year, and I, we have plenty of old games that we've been watching to go back on. Um, so let's do that. Absolutely, and then next week, uh, 
I mean, we're pretty transparent, as you can see. We've done we've done football. We've done our football teams. We've done our baseball team. We're going to do our basketball teams next week. I like it, man. I like it. So basketball coming up, college-wise and pro-wise, um, and obviously any news that comes down, um, we'll be here to bring it to you. Frenchie's going to be by with his French Five. The draft is three weeks from Thursday, so he'll be doing – his contribution to the site and also his podcast pre and post draft. Um, looking forward to seeing, you know, who he's identifying as top players this year to, to look for on, uh, on that weekend. Nice. All right, everybody. We'll be back later in the week. Take care guys. this dance.